0: So when I arrived at college, when I arrived at college, I had never shared a room with anyone before. I had one brother. And as it turns out, even though I grew up in the 60s, 70s, like we always had enough bedrooms for me to have one and my brother to have one. And so when I got to college, that was the first time I actually had to share a room. Now, colleges will promise something to you. Colleges will say to incoming freshmen, hey, we're going to work hard all summer long. We have a team of dedicated individuals, and they're going to pour over all of the personal data of the incoming freshmen. And you're a vegan. They're going to go out there, and they're going to find, oh, look, here's a vegan here. And they're going to match you together. But oh, oh, see, if you're a morning person, and that other vegan is a night person, they'll Oh, sorry, I can't use this one. They'll go out and they'll look and they'll be dedicated to make sure that you're matched up, your, your levels of cleanliness, whether or not you're a morning person or an evening person. A lot of you are smirking right now because <laughs> you've been in college. So when colleges say that, know that they're lying to you. They're lying to you. There's no team of dedicated people. They just, it's a random computer program. They threw these forms up in the air and oh look, Darcy landed next to Lucy. Guess they're roommates, (laughs) okay? Uh, Your roommate will, it's guaranteed, your roommate will have their boyfriend or girlfriend over all the time if you don't have one. Uh, It's guaranteed that if you're a neat freak, your roommate will be a cyclone. I mean, it's just how it works, and all of their stuff will be everywhere. My roommate, junior year on, was my best friend, Andrew, the guy that pinned me to the floor to convince me to to start dating Jenny. We had each had really bad experiences freshman and sophomore year, and we thought, we're good friends, we like being, you know, hanging around each other, like, what could go wrong? <laughs> and then we were roommates. And did you know Andrew had a unique philosophy about laundering clothes? His philosophy was once a month, whether it really needed it or not, he would wash everything. Now, he, his philosophy for clothes wearing was typically two, three, four times when it could stand up on itself or you could smell it next door then he wouldn't wear it. And he would stack those in a giant pile in the middle of the room. So it was this giant pile of smelly clothes that you had to walk over to get to the desks you know, to study. The other thing that Andrew did because he was 6'4 and like a gazillion pounds is that he was a heat machine and he was always hot. And so he insisted that we keep the window to our room open all the time, all year long. Now, I went to school in Chicago. (laughs) I would come into the room and I would be like, Andrew, you need to sweep your snow. I am not the snow that had come in through the window into our room. You need to move your snow. I'm not putting up with your snow. So today, today I want to talk to you about conflict because you're going to face conflict. Uh, in school, you're going to be on the debate team at West and the coach is going to put uh, Danny Clueless in for regionals and you're going to be upset about it. And You're going to tell your mom and dad and everybody but the coach. Uh, You're going to have conflict. Your spouse is going to promise, I've got dinner tonight. I've got it. I will pick it up on the way home. I will stop by the grocery store. It's 645. It's 715. It's 730. You're hungry. The kids are hungry. Everybody's hungry. Your spouse comes in the door. What? Empty-handed. And you ask them, weren't you going to pick up dinner? Oh. Forgot, (laughs) right conflict it's gonna it's gonna happen I love the conflict that goes on in businesses and workplaces so if I go to the if I go to the hospital and I'm I'm meeting with people at the hospital I want to see the break room Carol I want to see I want to go into the kitchen and I want to see the break room Uh, at at Asbury I want to see the department you know break area, because you can learn a lot by going to a company or school or hospital break room. Inevitably, you encounter two things. When you open the fridge, you're going to see food from 2005. (laughs) Keep in mind, it's 2017. You're also going to see food that has a big sign on it, and someone has written something in Sharpie marker in all capital letters, and it says something like, This is Dave's lunch. Eat this, and I will kill you. Okay? You will also find a sign above the kitchen sink. Uh, typically, it's typed in all capital letters, and at the very end, it has 15 exclamation points. And the sign was made by the neat freak person who works at the office, who cleaned up the kitchen one day because they just couldn't take it anymore, and they got mad, and they printed up the sign and put it up here and said, clean up your mess i am not your mother exclamation points for five rows okay this is how conflict goes down at work and in various places conflict is everywhere just out of curiosity how many of you had or have a brother or sister brother or sister okay most of you in this room how did you feel when they borrowed something without asking How did you feel when they came into your room and they accidentally broke something? Right, see, conflict is everywhere. You can't avoid it. Now, in our digital age, conflict is taking on new forms. I can't tell you how many boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, will fight by texting. They will do this. They will actually carry on an argument, texting back and forth, sometimes in the same apartment. (laughs) This is the new normal, and this scares the snot out of me as a 49-year-old. Now, when you ask them, they will tell you several things. They will tell you, first of all, look, we text this because we when we're fighting face to face it gets ugly really fast we're yelling it gets heated there's a lot of emotion and tension and so by texting it gives us the opportunity to think about what we're saying before we say it that, don't laugh at them they mean this with all seriousness they do the other thing that they will say is that they will say um look When we're in the apartment, we're texting back and forth anyway. Like, this is how we communicate. It's how we communicated when we were recording. It's just how we roll, okay? And so, fighting is no different. We're just gonna gonna text out our fight. Some people uh, will actually say that the texting back and forth or doing it that way is good because it provides a record. You know how sometimes in a fight, (laughs) shh, sometimes in a fight, Sometimes in a f- young people pay attention to the laughter today. Okay, so sometimes in a fight they will say, you know, I didn't say that and it's handy to be able to refer and go back and say, no actually, yes you did, here it is. You know, mic drop, okay? So so I just want you to know that we have actually moved something that used to take place in person with lots of passion and throwing of objects and moved it, moved it into the digital world. And that's creating all kinds of new issues when it comes to conflict. One of the things that typically happens is one word. Sorry. Uh, this is among texters and digital natives. This is a standard thing. And you can see this interchange here. I'm sorry, I love you. And then, boom, you could say it a million times. You, she's roasting him, okay? Or it could be the other way around. Um, so, they'll ha- there'll be this argument going back and forth texting or in Gchat or in Messenger or whatever. And because the tension is getting so bad, one person will, will issue the salvo, sorry, now, when they do that, I know you're looking at me like they're not sorry. No, they're not. They're doing that because they don't like the tension. And so they they put out sorry because what what, what they're really saying is, I don't want to have this fight anymore. I want the fight to end and I want the tension to go away. And so what's happening is for a lot of younger people that are getting into relationships, this sorry thing comes out, and so, oh, you know, the other, okay. But then what happens is they, they have the same fight about a day later or two days later, and it keeps coming up because it's not resolved, okay? All, they, all they've done is dropped the issue. Now, if you're here today, I want you to figure out something about yourself. When it comes to tension, when it comes to conflict, you're going to respond one of two ways. You're either going to be someone who vomits or someone who withdraws, and you're going to have that tendency when it comes to conflict. You're either gonna vomit or withdraw um whoa that's cool um uh well they'll get my slide up there eventually you'll either vomit or withdraw and rick warren has uh, animal avatars to explain this phenomenon and he says you're either a skunk or a turtle so i'll see if i can get there uh oh there we go all right you're either a skunk or a turtle okay skunks are the people who vomit they're verbal when they're mad you know they know everybody knows people 10 miles away know because a skunk it stinks up everything okay then there are people the way they handle conflict is they pull in and withdraw shields up you know and and they will get really quiet and they won't say anything they turtle okay and so you have this tendency you're going to have a tendency to either be a skunk or a turtle, just understand that. And so, for those of you that are younger, your parents, right? Typically, here's how this works. Skunks marry turtles <laughs> and turtles marry skunks. Um, sometimes two skunks will marry. Woo! <laughs> Woo! When two skunks marry, you just wanna buy a ticket and watch, okay? <laughs> now, my, my best friend from uh, college, Andrew, They were two turtles. So so they would both, when they got into conflict, it was like, clamp down, no one said anything for a month. (laughs) Right, okay, so it can happen. But by and large, skunks marry turtles and turtles marry skunks. Now, the Bible does have some helpful helpful, uh, advice and helpful ways to go about conflict. And I wanna look at two... Passages from Jesus that relate to how we're doing conflict today in 2017. And I think Jesus could really help us out if we would listen to him and let him lead when it comes to conflict. And if I had a bottom line today, it's simply this you got to use the right tool for the job. All right? And this will make sense as we get into the passages and get into things. You got to use the right tool for the job. So the first passage is Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5, and this is part of Jesus' big sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And this particular, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but the Sermon on the Mount is full of humor. Did you know that? There's tons of humor in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has this wicked sense of humor. Um, He'll be like... um, your friend's got a speck in his eye, but, you know, you're trying to help him out and you got a plank. And people listening to that are like, oh, Jesus, you're killing me. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, that's like totally stupid, you know. So he'll say these things um, that are just e- extreme exaggeration, okay, and, and that's woven into the Sermon on the Mount. And so um, he gets into this passage here and he's talking about being angry, all right, and that's verses uh, 23 and following, he says this, uh, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice <laughs> there on the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So Jesus has been saying some things, you know. You've heard it said, don't murder. But I say to you, even when you're angry with someone, right? Right? Uh, even when you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call them raka, you're holding them in contempt. If you call them a fool, and the word for fool is uh, moros, where we get the word moron. You know, if you call them a fool, you're in danger of being brought before the court. So what do you do? How do you handle conflict? What do you do when there's conflict with somebody? Well, ding, you attempt reconciliation. This is what follows the, the, the discussion about being angry you so the context for this is the temple in jerusalem so you're in jerusalem you're presenting a gift uh uh there and jesus says look if 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 it comes to mind and you're like oh that's right me and gary like "Mm, big conflict he says you're better off to just drop everything and go and talk to gary I'm gonna talk about me, not you, for a minute. Sometimes when Jenny and I were younger, some of our fiercest fights were on the way to church. Again, this is me, not you. <laughs> some of our fiercest fights were on the way to church. I, in light of this passage, I'm just saying that if you should find yourself in a situation like that, you would be better off working it out in the parking lot rather than coming in and hear me teach, okay? It's, this reconciliation part is really, really important. In other words, we're not supposed to come and worship knowing that we've got a relationship out of sort, that we've wronged someone and have not tried to make amends. Matthew 5 is telling us something about conflict. Address conflict quickly. Don't let grass grow under your feet. Don't wait six months I can't tell you how many times I'll talk to somebody and and an issue, a conflict will come out, and I'll say, oh, did this happen last week? And they'll be like, no, it happened in May. Um, It's like September. I know. Have you talked to them? No. Are you still mad? (laughs) Of course I'm still mad. Like, oh, okay. Mm." (laughs) This happens. Okay, so Matthew 5 is telling us, don't Delay excessively. Don't delay. Be quick in attempting to resolve it. The next passage I want to look at is it's wrong on the bottom. It's Matthew 18, verses uh, 15 to 17. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. In this section, he's actually talking about how to deal with conflict in the church. But I think there are some principles here that we could draw out to just how we live life. So Jesus says this if another believer sins against you, Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Go back again so that everything you may say, everything you say, may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. So he's telling us some important things, Um, and he's laying out kind of four steps uh, for handling conflict. And the first is this, uh, go privately. In other words, personal confrontation. Go in person and lay it out. Do it privately, one-on-one. The reason you do that is so that if you work it out, it's not everybody's business. Not everybody knows there was this big deal thing that had to be worked out right, the way we roll in America is so not like that, right, right, the American, preferred American way of handling that is, uh, I'm upset with Dennis, so I come over here, Don, you are not going to believe what an idiot Dennis is, let me tell you what he did, oh my gosh, and then you go, oh my gosh, you're right, you're absolutely right, the guy's a moron, <laughs> you know, what? what are, and so all of a sudden, you know, so this deal direct is really important, deal direct, so that's the first step. If that doesn't work out, you go and you present a case, you know, this, when you said this, when you did that, that really hurt me because. Well, you're just blowing things out of proportion, blah, 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 okay, they don't, that's when you bring someone else in. So that's the second step, bring a witness to the confrontation. If the one-on-one doesn't work, when, and you couldn't reach an agreement, get help, so that you're bringing a fresh set of eyes, someone who's objective and could go, mm, technical foul. <laughs> Right, Then the third step, if that won't work, get help. That's the involve the church thing. And, and the goal here isn't to punish somebody, but to get the offender to recognize their responsibility. In, order, in other words, to get them to the point where they're saying, you know what? I did that. I said that. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And then the fourth step, treat them as an unbeliever or a tax collector, is a is a boundary-setting mechanism. If you can't work it out, then you set a boundary so that you're not trying to interface, all right? In the past two weeks, it's been great. There have been two different people at Generations that have come to me because uh, they got their toes stepped on, and it was by me, inadvertently, and it was exactly what needs to happen in the body of Christ, right? I can't tell you how many churches I've been at where somebody gets bent out of shape because the pastor forgot this, or the pastor didn't made a promise and didn't follow it through, or any number of things, and then they go tell three other people, "Oh my goodness, that pastor Gary, like you know, he's an idiot. I can't believe he, right?" And so, but when you go direct, it gives an opportunity for someone to go, "Oh my goodness." I'm so sorry, right? And then the relationship is restored. So kudos, I don't know if you know this, but even on our website, we have this set of uh, code of conduct. And one of the things we work really hard at this church to do is this idea of deal direct. So when somebody's mad or upset with somebody else, we encourage the two of them to work it out. Um, And so it was a wonderful thing to see that play out. Um, So... Jesus has some very compelling things, I think, to say to us regarding conflict. And, and so I want to ask some questions, and I, and I want to get to some pretty significant application. The first question is, you got to know yourself. Are you a skunk or are you a turtle? You're going to know. If there's any doubt, ask someone who lives with you. They will tell you. <laughs> you're a skunk, you're a turtle, no question about it, okay? You should know the answer to this question, right? how has being a skunk or being a turtle affected conflict in your relationships the second question have you been trying to resolve relationship issues and relationship problems by texting or through social media or email and if so how has that worked for you how has that worked for you and then lastly does sorry really fix anything or do you just end up arguing about the issue again later on, right? Sorry without genuine repentance usually doesn't go anywhere, okay? I know this because I've been sorry a thousand times but not genuinely genuinely repentant. (laughs) And Jenny knows the difference, she's smart, okay? So in light of these passages, in light of how we have this tendency to roll with conflict these days, Step number one, address conflict quickly. It's okay if you need to cool off, right? In the heat of the moment, if you're angry and you need to step away, that's one thing. But what I'm saying to you is don't wait so that it becomes 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months. You're letting something fester that's not good. Address conflict quickly. Step two, address conflict in person resist the urge if somebody lays a bomb at your feet through texting resist the urge to light them up in a text back okay the texting back and forth is no bueno all right that's where blame criticism all this kind of stuff comes in address conflict in person and when i mean in person i mean face to face or if you can't do that because of distance and just ridiculous schedule the phone i'll you know the phone will work because you need to hear tone of voice You need to hear those things as you're talking things out. So couples, right? Please don't fight by texting app or email or social media. If you learn anything today, leave this place and make a commitment that from here on out, whenever we have a disagreement, we will not air it through texting or back and forth messaging. We will not do it. Why would I say that? Because many of you had a wedding and Aunt Edna or Uncle Frank stood up and read 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) Love keeps no record of wrong. Okay, so again, uh, I know someone earlier this year, uh, they had gotten into a big fight with somebody in the middle of 2016 and they resolved it. It was a texting fight back and forth. And in February... They accidentally opened that text thread again and they got mad all over and it ruined the reconciliation, okay? Love keeps no record of wrongs, okay? Here's what I would say to you, especially those of you that are younger. I know that you have a tendency, you don't like the messiness of having to think on your feet and having a conflict in that way. I know that's scary, but relationships are messy, I'm saying this as a meticulous, (laughs) step-oriented person. Relationships are messy. That's just how they are, okay? Step three, fix the problem, not the blame. Fix the problem. When you said you did, none of that helps. Exhibit A for that would be our national government, right? The White House, well, the reason we're in this pickle is Congress is a do-nothing Congress within Congress itself. Well, if you didn't have those obstructionist Republicans, we'd actually get, right? Blame is not fixing any of the big problems facing the United States of America. Fixing blame in your relationship with someone you love is not going to address or fix the problem, okay? Just remember that. If Washington can't get there, you can't either (laughs) because they've got a lot of money helping them that you don't have, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Number four, find an agreeable solution. What would make things better? What changes need to be made? Uh, you, again, it's because you're trying to fix or address the issue, not a, not, not a fixed blame. And lastly, it's okay to get help. If you're in a disagreement with a spouse with somebody and you're just not able to resolve it and it feels like you're turning it over and over and over again, it is okay to get help. Maybe that's someone in the church. Maybe that's a counselor. Maybe that's a friend. But it's okay to get help, okay? So what do you do if you're the offending party? If you're the one that's made someone mad, there are some things you can do. Uh, First of all, you can listen and let them talk. Uh, you can actually summarize what you've heard. What I hear you saying is that it really crushed you when I said X. Yes, it did. Okay, huh. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ask questions. Why, you know, why did that hurt so badly? Ask questions to draw some things out. And then when you feel like, when they feel like they've been heard, you can ask them to forgive you uh actually asking someone this question will you forgive me if you mean it if you're sincere and they actually have the capacity to go well i don't feel like it but yes that's that can be a game changer now that doesn't mean you're off the hook that doesn't mean there won't need to be changes that doesn't mean there aren't consequences for the offense but it it can go a long way toward reconciliation so Today I just want to remind you conflict is normal. It's normal. As long as there's someone else in the mix, you're going to have conflict. It doesn't matter whether it's your roommate, your coworker, your brother, your sister, your your husband, your wife, you're going to have conflict. Conflict is normal. And technology has given us all kinds of wonderful tools. I just want to say to you today the right tool for the job when it comes to conflict is you. In person at the very least on the phone, certainly not messaging, texting, gchat, that's the wrong tool for the job when it comes to conflict. There are better tools.